Biden administration is pressuring other countries to perform child sex changes, has been a drastic increase in non-infectious diseases in the U.S. military. Prosecutors have identified the police supervisor who beat a woman on January 6, 2021 at the Capitol, and new documents confirm Pentagon unlawfully forced U.S. service members to take unlicensed COVID shots. Details on all of this and more on this edition of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 231 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Saturday, September 3rd, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you would like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, before I get to these uh, big stories, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida was on the Ingram Angle Friday evening. Laura has the night off. Raymond Arroyo was filling in. Now, look, even if Ron DeSantis never runs for president, whether in 2024, 2028, whatever, he is still, I believe, the model for how a governor should act for how a governor should go about his business, for how a governor should get things done and keep the uh, federal government, keep the overreach of the federal government at arm's length. More so than any governor I can imagine at this point, this is the guy. All right, so let's take a look at what happened when he was on the Ingram angle, Raymond Arroyo filling in on Friday evening. First of all, Arroyo says, Governor, what do you attribute the flip-flopping here to? Now, what he's talking about is the fact that Joe Biden, Thursday night in his I Hate You America speech, said that Trump supporters are MAGA Republicans, and they are a threat to our democracy, a threat to this country, the very survival of this country. But on Friday, 
Trump told Peter Ducey, Fox News, no, I don't see any Trump supporters as threats to our country, threats to our democracy, even as whoever's in charge of his Twitter feed kept on going with the theme from the night before. Which just takes you back to the fact that Joe Biden has dementia. He has no idea what he said the night before. So some people said, well, he must be walking it back. Eh, no. No, because, anyway, but we'll, we'll let Raymond Arroyo and Ron DeSantis get into this. Raymond Arroyo starts out by saying, overnight polling must have been really bad for Biden's big fascism speech, given the whiplash he gave everybody today. That's when he said, no, no, Trump supporters, they're, they're not a threat to our democracy. He said, what was your initial reaction when you first heard what he said? And here's DeSantis' response. Well, I thought it was one of the most uh, disgusting speeches an American president has ever given. He uh, ran as being a unifier, and he's basically saying to the vast majority of the country that disapproves of him uh, that they're effectively a threat to the republic. He dodders, he lashes out, uh, but at the end of the day, his policies are why there's so much opposition to him. He came in and he opened the border, and we've seen what a disaster that's been. He kneecapped American energy. We've seen how that's hurt Millions and millions of people across our country. They've inflated the currency. We have one of the worst inflations we've had in over 40 years. So, of course, people are going to be upset at all the wreckage that he's left in his wake. He is the American Nero. He's a failed leader. And I think that he is doing this because he's trying to energize his base to fend off uh, a real butt whip in this November. All right. I don't know if you're a. A student of history, you know? But when he says he's the American Nero, well, Nero was the emperor of Rome from the year 54 to the year 68. And uh, he was horrible. He's a really bad guy. And the story goes about the great fire of Rome in July of the year 64, the year of our Lord, 64 A.D., that Nero played the fiddle while Rome burned. So when you have a guy like uh, Ron DeSantis, who is a student of history, say, Biden is the American Nero. You, you, you just you just go back to the fact that everything the Biden regime is doing is designed to bring this country to its knees, is designed to destroy our economy, designed to inst- destroy our freedom. And good old Dementia Joe, Lunch Bucket Joe, seems to be oblivious. to the results of the policies that he enacted just seems to be totally oblivious. 
So, yeah, Ron DeSantis says he's the American Nero, and I think that's very fitting. All right, so Raymond Arroyo comes back and says, Governor, what do you attribute the flip-flopping to here? Is this senility or is this self-preservation because he saw the polling on the speech and the reaction? Look, it's been said that the president of the United States is whoever is feeding his teleprompter. You get that? It has been said that the president of the United States is whoever is feeding his teleprompter. So DeSantis is sharp enough to know just because Joe is saying today no Trump supporters are a threat to our democracy doesn't mean he's trying to walk it back. It means he doesn't know what he said last night. He's got dementia. Okay, let's start again from the top. I just I wanted to point it out because a lot of politicians don't get it. A lot of politicians, or for that matter, even these legal experts they have on Fox News talking about the raid of Mar-a-Lago, and they're like, well, uh, Biden's Justice Barber must have had something, man, to, to do this. I tell you what, yeah. They always want to give the other side the benefit of the doubt. And that's just nuts. They always want to say, uh, you know, they always refuse to push back against the narrative. And that's just nuts. DeSantis actually rejects the narrative. DeSantis actually pushes back. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of Republicans in Washington who wouldn't dare say what he just said. Not a chance. Oh, you're you're being mean now. You're being impolite. Seriously. Um, and not just in Washington, in your state capital, for that matter, wherever you are. Now, we have people listening to Doc Washburn's show all over the country, anywhere from 65 to about 72, 73% of the people who download our podcast are outside the state of Arkansas, where I am. Our two top states are Arkansas and Texas, but the overwhelming majority of people listen to the Doc Washburn show are outside of Arkansas. Anyway, I've seen up close and personal Republican politicians in the state of Arkansas who wouldn't dare say what Ron DeSantis just said about Joe Biden. Oh, they'll criticize Trump, but they're not going to criticize Biden. No how, no way. Here's looking at you, Governor Aza Hutchinson. But see, DeSantis is not like all these guys. He's one of us. He relates to one of us. Just like, for that matter, Trump, you know, wasn't that crazy? A billionaire who related to the common man and still does. Anyway. So, 
Raymond Arroyo is trying to get DeSantis' take on whether it's senility or self-preservation because the polling was so bad about his speech for the uh, the, the flip-flopping here. Okay? And here's DeSantis. Look, it's been said that the president of the United States is whoever is feeding his teleprompter. And so they fed that teleprompter in in Philadelphia last night, and he angrily delivered that speech and lashed out at his fellow countrymen. Today, he was asked off the cuff, and he said something totally opposite. But I note, Raymond, they're tweeting from his account the same nasty stuff that he said last night. And so I think the people that are in control of the White House uh, want to drive this message uh, that people that dissent from his policies are somehow second-class citizens. And think about it. They've been willing to mobilize the administrative apparatus of government to go after people they don't like. Remember, this time last year, they were imposing vax mandates. They wanted people to lose their job based on getting an mRNA shot or not. And unfortunately, I think the weaponization of this government is something, when you talk about 87,000 IRS agents, who's that going to go after? Mm. It's going to go after the people that he was attacking in his speech last night. There you go. There you go. Okay, Raymond Arroyo, filling in for Laura Ingram on the Ingram angle, comes back and says, Governor, here's what Biden said about acceptable Republicans. So watch this. I guess the governor had a a monitor there where he was in his office. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. American democracy only works only if we choose to respect the rule of law and the institutions that were set up in this chamber behind me. Only if we respect our legitimate political differences. Okay. So then Raymond Arroyo comes back and says, Governor, who made Biden the passport officer of mainstream Republicanism, and does the governor of Florida fit into that definition, do you think? And here again is DeSantis. Well, look, he talks about rule of law. What has he done? He's violated his oath of office to take care that the laws are faithfully executed by opening the border. He's not following the law there. Look what he did with the student loan bailout. Congress never authorized that. He's citing a law from September 11th to somehow give loan forgiveness and put it on the backs of the taxpayer for people with degrees in gender studies. So spare me this idea of the rule of law. He doesn't give a darn about the rule of law. And yes, The only Republicans he likes are Republicans that want him to get his way. If you stand up against his bad policies like we do in Florida, then of course he's going to try to write you out over who's acceptable as an American citizen. Boom. Boy, he's on fire. Okay, so Raymond Arroyo says, If Kevin McCarthy becomes Speaker of the House, is he an acceptable Republican or not? Is he is Biden not going to speak to the Speaker of the House? I rather doubt that. Then he says, Governor, last night we saw two Marines standing at attention behind Biden. At least one veterans group says they're reduced to props. Here's how the White House press secretary defended it. The presence of the Marines at the speech was intended to demonstrate the deep and abiding respect 
the president has for these service service members uh, to these ideals uh, and the unique role our independent military plays in defending our democracy. Okay. So Raymond Arroyo follows up and says, Governor, you're, you're a veteran. Your response to that? Yeah, I mean, he's using those Marines as a prop for a partisan attack on half the country. Uh, I think that that's something that is, uh, doesn't sit well with a lot of veterans. I'd also say he respects veterans. He respects active duty. He has kicked out military members based on the COVID jab. So that's not respect in my book. We've lost a lot of good people who wanted to serve but for his mandates. Wow. Like I said, DeSantis is on fire. Raymond Arroyo says some are saying it was also a way to underscore his war talk, if you will, and they keep saying this is not a political speech, but it sure sounded like it. And the imagery was quite aggressive, like the Praetorian Guard surrounding him there. Yeah, look, and then I think you look at the way he's weaponized federal agencies, it all plays into this idea uh, of him mobilizing government uh, against people he doesn't like. And he has done that time and time again, and I think he's going to continue to do it. And if Republicans do take control, they need to hold them accountable, because I think it's likely to get worse uh, if he loses in the midterms. Oh, boy. So Raymond Arroyo comes back. says, Governor, we know or we knew school closings during COVID were devastating, but this national test results, this report card shows that the pandemic erased two decades of progress in math and reading. Democrats are now trying to blame Republicans, which we'll get to a bit later in the show, but I have to ask you, you took a lot of criticism for reopening those schools early in Florida. What is your message tonight for people who are trying to blame you and Trump for these educational setbacks? And here's DeSantis' response. Well, first of all, the pandemic didn't cause those setbacks. Lockdown policies of Democrat governors, Anthony Fauci, uh, national teachers unions who wanted schools closed, they are the ones that caused that. In Florida, we said you have a right to be in school and you need to be in school, and we've done much better as a result. But it wasn't the pandemic because all it required was leadership to say we need to keep kids in school. And those Democrats and those unions and the left and Fauci, they chose ideology over what was right for those kids, and the damage is going to be lasting regardless of what Fauci wants to tell you. He is uh, taking no quarter. You know what I'm saying? Ron DeSantis throwing down. Raymond Arroyo filling in for Lauren Ingram on the Ingram angle on Fox Friday night says, Governor, before I let you go, we see the polls tightening, these generic polls moving into these generic ballots moving into the midterms. What would be your advice to the Republican Party? What notes should they strike in these closing days, and how should they counter what we heard from Biden Thursday night? Here's DeSantis. 
We'll hold Biden accountable. This is a referendum on his failures. Mm -hmm. Make sure everybody knows how his policies have contributed to the mess we're in. Uh, And then articulate what you will do to address things like the border, like crime, uh, like inflation. I think if you do that, I think Republicans are going to win both chambers. And I think it'll be a really good night. Yeah. Yeah. So that that unpleasantness in the United States Senate where you got McConnell saying, well, uh, I think the Republicans have a good chance to take it back to the House. I'm not sure about the Senate because we have some bad candidates. And refusing to fund people like Blake Masters running for Senate in Arizona. Uh, that's messed up because guys like McConnell are basically sabotaging what we're trying to do. And um, no wonder Rick Scott, junior senator of Florida, is openly calling him out. I think Rick Scott would like to have that majority leader post, whereas McConnell would like to remain minority leader, if you know what I mean. And that's bad. That's not good. Okay, so. Before we get on to the other big stories that are highlighted at the top of the show, Biden administration pressuring other countries to perform child sex changes, drastic increases in non-infectious diseases in the U.S. military. Prosecutors identify police supervisor who beat woman on January 6, 2021 at the U.S. Capitol, and new documents confirm Pentagon unlawfully forced U.S. service members to take unlicensed COVID shots. Before we get to all of that, let me just remind you how much we appreciate our advertisers, our friends, for making it possible for us to do what we do five times a week. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live, That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? 
Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement, call my friend Jonathan Presswood today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. So thank you once more to our advertisers, people like Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones, financial advisors, and Mitch Ward over at redriveryourway.com. Without our advertisers, we wouldn't be here. They are what makes it possible for us to do what we do. So we appreciate you patronizing them, for that matter. Okay, let's get right to this. Jordan Schachtel over at dossier.substack.com. His substack is called The Dossier. Article just dropped a couple of days ago, entitled... New documents confirm Pentagon unlawfully forced U.S. service members to take unlicensed COVID shots. So, in a sense, this dovetails with something Governor DeSantis said a few minutes ago, except more detail. Here's what it says. A new Freedom of Information Act document, FOIA, short for Freedom of Information Act, new FOIA document obtained by the dossier proves without a doubt that the United States Department of Defense did not have FDA-approved COVID-19 vaccines in its possession despite top DOD officials claiming otherwise while unlawfully forcing service members to take the shots under the very real threat of separation, court-martial, and other severe ramifications. The dossier has verified the authenticity of the FOIA document, which is published below. We've redacted personal information. So they get screenshots of that. The article continues. Replying to a question about the Defense Department's possession of Pfizer's Comirnaty vaccine, which in the context of the question can be understood 
as the FDA-approved version of the COVID-19 vaccines, the Defense Logistics Agency responds, quote, We began shipping Comirnaty-labeled vaccine in June 2022 from the week of June 13, 2022 through the week of August 29, 2022. We will have shipped 9,600 doses, 160 boxes of vaccine. Now, they did not have anything with the Comirnaty label until June 2022. That's almost a full year after the Defense Department vaccine mandate went into effect. This is an admission that service members were injected exclusively with emergency use authorization products. Today, active duty troops continue to be harassed, threatened, and punished for noncompliance with the unlawful order. And so they have embedded a tweet here from Christina Wong, and it links to an Associated Press article from August 31st of this year. Christina Wong, Pentagon correspondent for Breitbart News. They were escorted to the gate like they were war criminals or something. The lawyer, Michael Rose, told the newspaper, unvaccinated cadets ordered off Coast Guard Academy campus. Got it? Another article here from the Epic Times, EPOCH, Air Force Master Sergeant facing court-martial after refusing COVID-19 vaccine. Wow. It also says here in the article, over at dossier.substack.com by Jordan Schachtel, it says, to catch up to speed on this issue, read through our recent piece entitled Biden Officials Scramble to Escape Blame for Unlawful Pentagon Order Mandating MRNA for Troops. Schachtel continues, he says, it remains unclear what exactly the response of Comirnaty labeled means. It likely is a product of legal sleight of hand, as no FDA-approved shot has become available to service members. The question about Moderna's FDA-approved spike vax was not answered directly, so unfortunately there is no value in that portion of the FOIA response. Nonetheless, the Department of Defense is now on record admitting that zero FDA-approved shots were made available to service members, but that wasn't what top Pentagon officials were saying at the time of the unlawful mandate. Dr. Terry Adderham, former Pentagon official who wrote the infamous Pentagon memo attempting to justify mandating emergency use authorization shots as if they were FDA-approved, has repeatedly claimed on social media and elsewhere that the licensed FDA product was indeed available to service members at the time of the mandate. We now know her statements and those of other Pentagon officials making similar claims were demonstrably false. In response to inquiries about this topic, Dr. Adderham, who has since moved over to the Department of Veteran Affairs, oh, that's great, what could go wrong there, has locked her social media accounts. 
Oh, I see. Wow. But the Internet is forever, and people have kept screenshots. Just so you know. Just so you know. So that is a, a, a tweet with screenshots also embedded in the article here at dossier.substack.com. And then we have another embedded tweet that says, Hello, De- Department of Defense, Secretary of Defense. Can you all explain what FDA-approved vaccine you're talking about? And this is from August 8th of this year. It says, Colonel Tanya runs military health, made a declaration that Comirnaty wasn't available for the DOD prior to May 20th, 2022. So who's lying? And BLA compliant isn't real, so let's back off. And highlighted in her screenshot, it says, since August 2021, the majority of Army soldiers have become fully vaccinated with an FDA-approved vaccine or have voluntarily elected to take a vaccine under FDA emergency use authorization or World Health Organization emergency use license to meet the requirements of the DOD COVID-19 vaccine mandate. It just gets deeper. As the dossier has reported, Pfizer admitted In May 2022, it never did and never will produce the original FDA-approved shots. For many months, the trail of evidence seemed to render it unlikely, if not impossible, for the Pentagon to have obtained the FDA-approved ghost shots. Today we know for certain that is the case. And it links to the earlier article from three months ago from the dossier. Entitled Ghost Shot, Pfizer quietly admits it will never manufacture original FDA-approved COVID vaccines. Now, you know why? Because if somebody has a problem from an FDA-approved vaccine, then they can sue the drug company. If it's emergency use authorization, they can't sue the drug company. That's why. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in for you. That's a little bonus, free of charge for you. The article concludes, top military officials misled the public, detonated readiness, and caused tremendous harm to the countless vaccine-injured service members through an unlawful order purportedly designed to supposedly protect them against a disease that does not threaten them. DOD has finally acknowledged through this latest FOIA response that there was no legal basis for any of this. Now, who will be held accountable? I don't know. What I do know is there need to be some lawsuits. I'm sure of that. There need to be some lawsuits. Now, An article that kind of dovetails with this over the epochtimes.com is entitled Whistleblower Disputes Data Glitch Explanation Behind 
drastic increase in non-infectious diseases in military. Subtitle, Whistleblower Faces Involuntary Separation from Army. Oh, my goodness. So that is coming up next. Once again, thank you so much to our advertisers for making it possible for us to do what we do here five times a week. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thank you once again to our advertisers, like the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, My doctors, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and Dr. Tanya Crabtree, his wife, who are also our friends, they have done so much to help me over the years. They have done so much to help my wife over the years. They have done so much to help so many people that we know. And I've talked to a number of people who said, you know, I kept on putting it off and Now that I'm all better, I sometimes wonder, why why did I put that off for such a long time? Again, the website, turnmypoweron.com. All right, let's look at this article from theepochtimes.com, and it is written by Ella Kietlinska and Joshua Phillip, and it's called Whistleblower disputes data glitch explanation behind drastic increase in non-infectious diseases in military. A medical army officer who discovered a sudden increase in disease coinciding with reports of side effects alongside COVID-19 vaccines, which the army has dismissed as a data glitch, said he faces involuntary separation after being convicted but not punished for disobeying COVID-19 protocol. January 2022, First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw 
a preventive medicine officer at the Army, started noticing some alarming signals within the defense epidemiological database. The Defense Medical Epidemiology Database, or DMED, well, that's a lot easier to say, which tracks disease and injuries of 1.3 million active component service members showed during the pandemic a significant increase in reports of cancers, myocarditis, and pericarditis, as well as some other diseases like male infertility, tumors, a lung disease caused by blood clots, and HIV, according to First Lieutenant Mark Bashow. Several of these illnesses are listed in FDA documentation as potential adverse reactions associated with COVID-19 vaccines. That's what First Lieutenant Bashaw told Epoch TV's Crossroads program in an interview on August 1st. Seeing increases in cases of these illnesses as high as 50% or even 100% in some situations, Bashaw stepped forward as a whistleblower to raise concerns about his findings. His whistleblower declaration submitted to Senator Ron Johnson, who is facilitating the sharing of information from early investigations of COVID-19 products with Congress, said he saw the increasing incidence of these disorders observed in DMED as very troubling, specifically the number of cancer cases among active service members in 2021 nearly tripled in comparison with the average number of cancer instances per year from 2016 to 2020. That's what Bashaw said in his declaration. His responsibilities as a preventive medicine officer with a specialty in entomology include participating in fact-finding inquiries and investigations to determine potential public health risk to DOD personnel from diseases caused by insects and other non-battle-related injuries. A week after this information was brought out in January in a COVID-19 second opinion roundtable, Organized by Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, the data in DMED changed, according to Bashaw. All these troubling spikes in diseases and injuries seem to have disappeared and been realigned with previous years. Curiously, the glitch, or what they call the glitch, didn't affect the data from 2021, which remained the same. Instead, the corrected data saw the data for prior years increased, which made the 2021 data look normal and in line with the running average, according to First Lieutenant Bashaw. In response to whistleblower claims, Major Charlie Dietz, a spokesperson for DOD, told the Epic Times the data in DMED was incorrect for the years 2016 to 2020. So the system was taken offline to correct the root cause of the data corruption, which didn't impact data from 2021. I don't know know about you, but I don't believe that. After the roundtable, Senator Johnson 
sent three letters to DOD requesting explanation of the sudden increase in medical diagnosis and the changes in the DMED data. In one of his letters, Senator Johnson said, the concern is that these increases may be related to the COVID-19 vaccines that our servicemen and women have been mandated to take. Senator also sent a letter to the technology company that manages DMED, asking for clarification of all data integrity issues uncovered in the database. Ooh, I bet they're going to say, what are you talking about? First Lieutenant Bashaw said, although Johnson received some responses from the tech company, there has not been still a solid rational explanation as to why a glitch occurred in the database and what it was. Yeah, why did it affect these years but not that year, for that matter? After the glitch, First Lieutenant Dr. Bashaw pulled out data from the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, otherwise known as VAERS, pulled out data from that for injuries related to viral vaccines to compare to his findings on DMED. He compared the average of the last 24 years to data for 2021 and found an 11-fold increase in the number of suspected adverse incidents reported in 2021. Bashaw said, I compared it to the average of the last 24 years. It's an 1,100% increase in 2021. And the only difference we had in 2021 was the rollout of these experimental emergency use authorized COVID-19 vaccines. Now, there's the database. It's managed by agencies, the Department of Health and Human Services, and serves as a national early warning system to detect possible safety problems in U.S. licensed vaccines, according to the HHS's own website. Though reporting to VAERS is voluntary for individuals, healthcare professionals are required to report certain adverse events and vaccine manufacturers are required to report all adverse events that come to their attention according to the website. However, non-professionals are also able to make entries. First Lieutenant Bashaw tried to raise his concerns regarding COVID-19 vaccines to his leadership at the Army through the proper channels, recommending that it change its risk communication strategy for the vaccine from safe and effective to there might be some problems. However, his concerns were not addressed, Bashaw said, and then later I was targeted due to my own COVID-19 vaccination status. He said he was forced into an experimental emergency use authorized testing protocol, which was only for the unvaccinated. He questioned the policy saying that forcing unvaccinated individuals into such a testing regimen seems coercive and kind of punitive. Bashaw invoked the provisions of the United States Code, which gives liability protection for epidemic products authorized for emergency use to manufacturers and distributors of the product, the government and medical personnel who administer the product. However, the perspective of the individual who chooses to use these products or to whom the product is administered is not considered by the law. 
despite their taking on all the burden of risk. Bashaw said, for this reason, they should have the ability to accept or refuse these products. He said, it's my job as a medical officer in general to warn individuals or at least try to communicate to them what they might be getting themselves into with these products. Bashaw pointed out the individual's right to accept or refuse administration of these products and to informed consent has also been written down in the United States Code, specifically 21 U.S. Code 360 BBB3. Individuals to whom the product is authorized for emergency use should be informed of the significant known and potential benefits and risks of such use and of the extent to which such benefits and risks are unknown according to the law. This applies not only to the experimental vaccines, but also to COVID-19 testing procedures and the wearing of masks. Bashaw said he has also been court-martialed for disobeying the mandated COVID-19 protocol. He challenged the accusation, saying the order to follow the protocol disregarded the individual's right to informed consent guaranteed by U.S. law. The court convicted Bashaw, but the judge did not hand down any punishment and recommended to the commanding general to drop the conviction. But the general upheld the conviction. So after the conviction, the Army initiated Bashaw's involuntary separation from service after 17 years of honorable service. His expected promotion to captain was also withheld. The justification for his discharge was that the Army lost trust in his capabilities as an officer over the past seven months. Bashaw filed a rebuttal, hoping to reverse its course. In addition, he filed a whistleblower complaint at DOD, but the decision was made that there was no retaliation against him and the case was closed. He said he then filed another complaint, which exercises his right, guaranteed by the Code of Military Justice, to challenge such decisions. The Epoch Times reached out to the Army Public Health Center and the Department of Defense for comment. Recently, First Lieutenant Bashaw has petitioned the Judge Advocate General of the Army asking the General to review what he has brought forth in official documentation. Bashaw said this is concrete evidence and it's well-founded on the law to protect service members and individuals in general. He says, I wouldn't be risking 17 years of my service and the health and welfare of my family on some flimsy argument. He said he's concerned with the integrity of the data that the leadership is basing their strategic decisions upon. If data is being manipulated in some way, or if there's a data glitch, then these senior-level leaders make decisions based on something that might not be the case. It's especially a serious sign of concern if a private contractor manages the medical information of service members and has glitches with it. He said, and so it's super important to have solid data and trustworthy sources. Bashaw said he decided to bring his concerns to his leader's awareness to honor the oath he took to uphold the Constitution of the United States and to glorify God. He said, I will absolutely do everything in my power to warn my brothers and sisters in uniform. And that's my job as a medical officer, to communicate risks and potential harms. That is 
my duty. All right, so there you have it. That is from the EpochTimes.com, article by Ella Kitlinska and Joshua Phillip called Whistleblower Disputes, Data Glitch Explanation Behind Drastic Increase in Non-Infectious Diseases in Military. Even as a picture of First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw at his command relinquishment ceremony at the Aberdeen Proving Ground in Maryland, July 9th, 2021. No good deed goes unpunished, right? No good deed goes unpunished. All right, what do we have next? Prosecutors identify a police supervisor who beat woman on January 6th. Really? Now, this is also from the EpochTimes.com. Zachary Stiber and Joseph M. Hanneman. And they say the Washington, D.C. police officer who beat a Minnesota woman with a metal baton at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, is a 19-year veteran with a history of use of force complaints. Victoria C. White of Minnesota was struck nearly 40 times in a four-minute span in the Lower West Terrace Tunnel leading into the U.S. Capitol. I mean, they linked to the security video footage, and it is awful. It's a wonder she lived. The officer who delivered most of the blows was identified in new court filings as Metropolitan Police Department Commander, 45-year-old Jason Bagshaw. U.S. prosecutors said in one of the briefs, the tunnel CCTV footage shows that over an almost two-minute span running from approximately 4.07 to 4.08.54, Lieutenant Bagshaw repeatedly struck or tried to strike the woman in red with his baton. By the way, Bagshaw has since been promoted to commander. Oh, they promote violence. All right. Prosecutors also acknowledge that Bagshaw threw five left-handed jab punches in the direction of the woman in Red's head or upper body and included an image showing Bagshaw with his left fist raised while standing near Victoria White or the woman in Red. Metropolitan Police Department use of force policies advise officers to avoid striking the head. Bagshaw did not respond to a message, Metropolitan Police Department, did not respond to requests for comment. The agency said previously it wasn't aware of the surveillance footage released December 2021 by Attorney Joseph McBride showing one of its officers pummeling Victoria White. The video shows Bagshaw struck White's head eight times and punched her with his left fist. He later made a fist and punched White in the face and head six times. Sounds like he was trying to kill her. I think he should be in prison for the rest of his life. Another officer with both hands on his baton jammed the butt of the weapon at White's face and then rammed her with a baton ten times. But that's what the video footage shows. Prosecutors attempted to defend the strikes. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. I don't need to hear that garbage. I'm going to skip down here. To Bagshaw's history. He started working for the department in 03, has been promoted twice since January 6, 2021, has been the subject of multiple complaints over the years. In one instance, a Washington resident 
accused him of working with other officers to try to cover up an illegal beating in 2013. Bagshaw falsely said in an application for a search warrant for the man's home that a taxi driver told him the man looked like a man who had assailed the taxi driver, according to court filings. Bagshaw testified in a deposition that another officer told him the driver did not know if the man was one of the men who assailed him. Cases settled out of court. In another case, which is still ongoing, Bagshaw and other Metropolitan Police Department officers were accused of violating the constitutional rights of protesters who gathered in Lafayette Square near the White House in the wake of George Floyd's death. A second case that is ongoing says Bagshaw instructed officers to beat a woman who was protesting the death of her son at the hands of the police. Yeah, this guy's got to go to jail. I mean, prison. I mean, for the rest of his life. In a December 2020 incident, documented on video, shared on Instagram and other social media websites, Bagshaw picked up a man identified as a medic, carried him a short distance, and tossed him to the pavement. In mid-July 2022, Bagshaw shot an unarmed man to death in a crowded restaurant district on D.C.'s waterfront. Bagshaw, who was off-duty at the time, said he fired after witnessing 23-year-old Lazarus David Wilson of Dumfries, Virginia, pointing a firearm at patrons. Well, maybe he did. I don't know. Now, Victoria White told the Epic Times she identified Bagshaw as her attacker weeks ago based on security video and other sources. She said his identity being made public is just one step toward justice in her case. Publicity on the details, however sparked her post-traumatic stress disorder from the Capitol incident and 10 years of domestic abuse by her ex-husband, she said. Attorney McBride, White's former attorney, told the Epoch Times late last year, the highest-ranking officer in the tunnel targets her and just absolutely tees off on her and begins to brutally beat her. McBride has called for a special prosecutor to investigate how police officers acted on January 6th Victoria White has said she traveled to Washington that day to peacefully protest. She said in a lawsuit against Washington police officials and officers that she was illegally beaten and abused and falsely imprisoned. Prosecutors charged White, who has said she was unarmed, with four counts, including civil disorder and entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds. This is just... It's just awful, and it goes on and on and on. But I want to share it with you. It's at theepochtimes.com, and it's called Supervi- uh, Prosecutors Identify Police Supervisor Who Beat Woman on January 6th. Man, oh, man. Daily Caller, Laurel Duggan, has the article... The Biden administration is pressuring other countries to perform child sex changes. Yep, according to leaked documents obtained by the Manhattan Institute's publication City Journal, the Biden administration is pressuring foreign countries to crack down on forms of psychotherapy 
that don't automatically affirm children's transgender identities and instead encourage children to transition. An internal memo shared by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken reportedly instructed embassies to submit robust information on the so-called conversion therapy practices in their host countries as part of their annual reports on human rights. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's definition of conversion therapy reportedly includes talk therapy for children with gender dysphoria that aims to help patients feel comfortable with their natural bodies. Oh, no, 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 no. Biden regime doesn't want that. Nope. Got to mutilate you. Got to chop you up. Conversion therapy typically refers to clinical attempts to get patients to stop feeling same-sex attractions, which historically has included practices like shock therapy, according to Reuters. Well, I don't think it has to include shock therapy. Share the Bible with them. However, transgender advocates, along with the Biden administration, are increasingly using the term to describe healthcare professionals helping children come to terms with their birth sex rather than affirming their so-called gender identities and putting them on the medicalization track, which can include puberty blockers, hormones, and yes, even surgeries. And then we have the embedded tweet from Joe Biden, June 16th of this year, which says, as I've said before to the LGBTQI plus community, your president has your back. Yesterday I signed an executive order that will protect the community from hateful attacks, use the full force of the government to prevent conversion therapy, advance equality for families, and more. In other words, okay, groomer, look, um, I don't know how to break it to you here. But it's not like I have said it before. Joe Biden is a serial sexual predator. There is plenty of video available of him molesting little girls. And you know what? They don't care. Barack Obama doesn't care. Bill Clinton doesn't care. James Clyburn, who resuscitated Joe Biden's campaign. James Clyburn, U.S. congressman from South Carolina. Biden had finished fourth in Iowa, fifth in New Hampshire. Nobody has ever gotten a nomination who finished out of the top three in either state. Goes down to South Carolina. James Clyburn says, hey, y'all. Y'all, we got to vote for Joe Biden. And James Clyburn is probably the most popular Democrat politician in the state of South Carolina, which is deeply Republican. But he's got one of those congressional districts that they carved out to try to make sure that a radical socialist black Democrat could have a seat in the U.S. House. If they didn't have the gerrymandering, there's no way in the world he could win an election from a normal, uh, normally constituted congressional district. Anyway, 
None of these people care. All these folks been in Washington for years. They, they, they know the talk about Biden. The knock against Biden is not these two bipartisan knock against Biden is he can't keep his hands to himself. There's video of the first time Ash Carter spoke as defense secretary. Brand new. Just got sworn in. His wife is standing behind him, and Biden is standing behind her, smelling her hair and nuzzling her ear. That was on national television. You know what? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Why? Because he does their bidding. That's why. By the way, Biden announces John Podesta will be in charge of guiding spending on the climate. He's a bad guy, I tell you. He's a really bad guy. Books have been written. Books will continue to be written. All right, it's that time. Hit it, Brian. Wait, wait, wait. Not right there. We need to start. Operator error. My fault. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way. RedRiverYourWay.com. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, SUV of your choice. What do you want to? Online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. RedRiverYourWay.com. Check them out if you're looking for a vehicle. Okay, so the tweet of the day, and a big thank you to uh, Ryan Savidra, senior reporter over the Daily Wire. He's got screenshots of all this stuff from the Babylon Bee, which is the premier satire website in America. And each one of these screenshots is from Biden holding up his fists, kind of like uh, Hitler did, with a red and black background there in front of Independence Hall in Philly. Everybody said it looked like a Nazi rally. And we have um, 12 of them. Each one has a different headline. First one says, Biden rejected from Austrian art school. You know, like Hitler was. Second one says, Biden publishes autobiographical memoir, My Struggle. Mein Kampf means my struggle. Biden announces new program for patriotic youngsters called Biden Youth. That's kind of reminiscent of uh, Hitler Youth, right? Biden establishes secret police. Biden abolishes office of president and names self-supreme Fuhrer. Biden opens camps in which to concentrate political dissidents and other undesirables. Biden signs non-aggression pact with Poland. Biden announces invasion of Poland. France surrenders to Biden. Biden announces strategic alliance with Mussolini and Emperor Hirohito. 
Biden forces stalled 12 miles from Moscow. And last but not least, Biden swallows cyanide capsule in underground bunker. So that's your tweet of the day. I kind of liked it, you know. I kind of liked it. Now, unfortunately, we have to give you a lot of bad news from time to time on the Doc Washington Show because that's what's going on in the world around us. But can I give you one minute of good news before we get out of here? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. One one of my uh, listeners listening in real time to the live stream said, my dad retired 20 years U.S. Air Force. I was surprised he jumped right into the jab line, and I am concerned he will do it again. I am sorry, Terry. I hope you can maybe get him to listen to uh, my show from yesterday. I don't know. Maybe look at some of the evidence because there's a lot out there. I don't know. But anyway, we have some good news here. It's only a minute long. This gentleman's name is Vody Bauckham Jr. It's spelled V as in victory, O-D-D-I-E. I know, phonetically you'd think it'd be Vody, but it's Vody. Here he is. Lord of Lords, that's my Jesus. That's the God whom I serve, not the sissified Christ that's preached in pulpits around the United States of America. I serve the great God of the universe who gets angry and pours out his wrath. I serve the great God of the universe who demonstrated his wrath when he poured it out on his own son. And it amazes me that we believe this, that God would crush and kill his own son, but let you slide. Not for a minute. The spotless, sinless Lamb of God suffered and bled and died because of the wrath of God. That propitiation, the satisfaction of the righteous wrath of God, that's what was experienced on the cross. How dare we take that lightly? How dare we take that lightly? And yet we do. And yet we do. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us. We don't have the excuse of, you know, when Jesus asked the Father to forgive those who are crucifying him, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. No, we know. We know. We know. And yet he is a propitiation for our sins. Praise God for whom all blessings flow. You've been listening to episode 231 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier X. 
band. That's the way it is. Saturday, September 3rd, 2022.